Today's episode of the Rewatchables is brought to you by SeatGeek. That is the presenting sponsor of the Bill Simmons podcast. Also, as, as you should know by now, the easiest way to shop for the best tickets, thanks to their revolutionary grading system. Download the SeatGeek app today. Go right to SeatGeek.com. Baseball, football, college football, college hoops coming up, concerts, everything. Let's go there now. We love SeatGeek. And if you've missed the uh, the rewatchables, the first one we did was A Few Good Men, me, Chris Ryan, and Amanda Dobbins. We put a whole bunch of old ones on the feed as well. The Departed 2006 classic coming up, me and Chris Ryan, right now. We are an elite unit. This is who we're after. Frank Costello. So what do I do? You will not ever know the identity of undercover people. Do you have anyone in with Costello presently? Maybe. Do you know who I am? Maybe not. We are all convinced that Costello has at least one mole inside the Special Investigations Unit. You better get organized, quick. Hey, last time I checked, I tipped you off and you're not in jail. Getting the feeling we got a cop in my crew. Soon the lady's gonna find out who I am and he's gonna kill me. How's your brother? She's on her way out. You all are. Act accordingly. All right, I'm here with Chris Ryan. We've been circling this. I don't even know what the analogy would be. It's like two Our boxers. Yeah, Our it's like lives. two boxers who've circled each other for 10 years. Before the movie the was ring. made, I think we were ready to do a, move, a podcast about The Departed. Yeah. Do you remember seeing this? Yeah, of course I do. Yeah, I saw this on a Friday night at the man, the Chinese Man Theater on Hollywood Boulevard. Pre-social media, movies felt like it meant a little bit more back then. Yeah, was not a good movie year, which I think is one of the reasons it won the Oscars. And I remember it really did feel. I felt like this for this movie, and the other time I remember feeling it was Gangs, Gangs of New York in two thousand two, of just like. You know, New York and L.A., I, I think there's an appreciation. There's a film snobbery. Um, yeah. And this movie is like Nicholson, Leo, Damon, Scorsese directing. Like it was like, when is this coming out? There's a really weird sensation when you're watching this movie. I had it too when I saw No, no Country for Old Men because I love that book so much. But when you see something that is so exactly what you want. Yeah. And that kind of sometimes is weirdly unsatisfying. It's like if you make a movie about Irish gangsters in Boston starring Jack Nicholson, Matt Damon, Leonardo DiCaprio, Mark Wahlberg, and Alec Baldwin, I just want you to kind of inject it into my jugular. Yeah. But then I also feel weird afterwards. Like, it's like I didn't work for it. It was just too satisfying. Yeah. But, I mean, still, I just one of my favorite movies for all its flaws. I think the bar was so high for it. I remember leaving and nitpicking about a couple different things. I didn't like the rat at the end. I didn't like Nicholson's accent. And it wasn't really until, you know, it always takes five years with the rewatchable. This movie has been on a lot. Yes. Yeah. There has, there's 238 swears or variations of the <laughs> F word in this movie. And uh, it, which makes it a tough AMC TNT. Yeah. But uh, it'll make the rounds. It'll be on Cinemax for two months. It'll be on TNT. And it's, it's one of those movies. And it's one of the reasons we started this podcast where it's like, I've watched this 58 times. Uh Oh, the roof scene's coming up. I'm in. Yeah. I'm in for the last 45. Wait a second. Wahlberg's about to talk. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, we we're like what we did with a few good men. We have a whole bunch of categories that I wanted to get to. I will say though, I want to talk about two things coming out of the gate. There's something to be said for the great movie with the big famous cast, which I feel like they don't do as much anymore. 
This is just like they. I think they spent half of the budget on salaries. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and then they they because they they didn't do any hardly any exteriors in Boston. They just save all this money by using New York tax credits afterwards. Right. Yeah. And you know when you have Wahlberg and Alec Baldwin and Martin Sheen and people like that, and those are just supporting people that you don't even you know normally they would throw away those roles and now the model is basically built around the two big people or the one big person and then you kind of take and for most genre movies or a lot of genre movies they're like we'll get patrick wilson to be in this and then like the hook will be whatever the concept of the movie is right he'll be the new guy yeah sure and vanity fair or gq or whatever we're read about patrick wilson's big break (laughs) their part was like no no we're gonna have jack nicholson who are the five most famous people alive during this movie so interesting points of four careers for this. Mm-hmm. Cause you could argue that Leo Damon Nicholson and Mark Wahlberg 97 was a much better year for them. Career wise. Wahlberg had boogie nights. Damon breaks out goodwill hunting. Uh, Leo had Titanic obviously. And then Nicholson won his last Oscar for as good as it gets. So there was still like some real star power with them, but I don't, I don't think this was the highlight of their career. It's like we did Apex Mountain for a few good men. We don't need to do Apex Mountain. This was the apex of nobody's career. Damon's come- Can I Damon- interject though? Because yeah, there's something you're saying about the idea of these movies being star fests and how like sometimes that's just like the best way to do it. Yeah. One of the secret ingredients to this movie is I'm pretty sure that DiCaprio, Damon, Nicholson, and Baldwin and Wahlberg- all think they're the star of this movie. Wahlberg definitely. Because they're just like, as much time as I get on screen, I'm making the most of it. Yeah. And Wahlberg is out of his mind in this movie because he's just like, what? Like, you guys have me for four days, but I'm going to make it feel like 40 <laughs> years. Uh, Damon, 01 to 05, he does Oceans 11 and 12, the first two Bourne movies, Grimm and Syriana. So he's in full Matt Damon, yeah, A-list superstar mode. Absolutely. Leo at a slightly different point of his career. He's the biggest star in the world after Titanic. Disappears for a little bit, comes back, does the beach, and then does Gangs of Gangs of New York. I don't feel like that movie was a 100% win for him. I don't think anybody does. Then he does Catch Me If You Can. Good mm-hmm. movie. Yeah. And a great use of his talents. Solid. Yeah. The Aviator. It's good. We had no idea if he could do this part. I know I didn't in 2006. I'm Martin like, Scorsese didn't. He had yeah. Brad Pitt in the role first. Right. Can Leo play a kid from the streets of Boston who has to pretend to be an undercover cop? I had no idea. Nicholson's coming into this weird post as good as it gets Oscars part of his career where he did the pledge about Schmidt, anger management, something's got to give. Hadn't really played a bad guy. Well, actually, Pitt was going to play the Damon part, but go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Nicholson hadn't really played a bad guy, I guess, since The Shining. Is that possible? Yeah, I mean, a few good men. He's a bad guy, I guess, obviously. Or Santiago's <laughs> Death Saved Lives. We will ne- <laughs> we'll never figure it out. Listen to Rewatchables to find out. <laughs> Scorsese from 97 to 05, Bringing Out the Dead, Cundin, Gangs of New York, Aviator. Looked like his ship had sailed for winning an Oscar. And he even says, when I was doing the prep for this, he never thought this was an award movie. Thought it was too violent. It's a remake. Yeah. It was a a remake. No remake had won an Oscar before. And the ship had kind of sailed on Martin Scorsese winning an Oscar. And it was like Goodfellas was going to be the Oscar he should have won and did it or Reggie Bow, whatever. And he never won it. And then this movie happened. Do you feel like this is a makeup Oscar? Because that was that was something that used to happen a lot more in the nineties, early two thousands. Well, I'm gonna give you the uh the other the other nominees that year. Babel, The Queen, Little Miss Sunshine. 
and letters from Iwo Jima. No, I'm very fine with Departed winning out of that group. Departed definitely. It feels a little makeup y, but it really wasn't. Yeah. It was it was just a really, 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 really bad movie year. The the kind of inexplicable one, I did some research on this one too. So Wahlberg's the only one who gets nominated for an Oscar for best supporting. Leo does not get nominated. Nobody gets nominated. Nicholson did not deserve to be nominated, which we'll get to. <laughs> Forrest Whitaker won for uh the Idi Amin movie. Mm-hmm. Leo got nominated for Blood Diamond because the same studio did Blood Diamond and The Departed. So wild. They wanted to put Leo best supporting actor. Leo didn't want to campaign against everyone else in the movie. So they basically put all their chips into the Blood Diamond thing. I think that was a mistake. Imagine saying that in 2000. We're putting all of our chips on Blood Diamond. Yeah. Yeah. Also, Leonardo DiCaprio. Blood Diamond. Sure. But his accent is is like it's a Nicolas Cage YouTube montage. Yeah, you're not winning an Oscar for the Blood Diamond accent. (laughs) Yeah. And I think he's really good in that part. I think as as the years have grown, I have a real appreciation for for him in this movie. I I would say it's one of his three best performances. Yeah, I'd say this Wolf and Django are my three favorite Leo performances. Oh, interesting. You so you wouldn't put Revenant in that? No. No. He won the Oscar for us. Yeah. So was that a makeup Oscar? I, I think Revenant is like an award you give to somebody because they do something so physically challenging. We're going to rip through some categories. Most rewatchable scene is where we're going to start. Here are the candidates. Feel free to add one. Are you still a cop? No! Are you still a cop? No! No! Swear no! on your mother's grave, no! you're still not a cop! I am not a fucking are you still a cop? <laughs> the Nicholson DiCaprio uh, showdown, which is great. And there's something to be said for these movie moments where it's just these two giant stars in a scene together. We talked about it when we did our Heat podcast, when it was like this anticipation of Pacino and De Niro finally being in a scene together. It didn't have that quite level of this, but it's still cool to see these two guys doing their thing. Martin Sheen's death scene off the roof, the body. Hey, kid, you go get out of there. And the body coming off the roof, landing right in front of Leo. Wahlberg killing Matt Damon at the end. The Damon-Leo phone call, you're calling it dead guy's number. (laughs) And then finally the roof scene when Leo gets killed. So you don't think that the first meeting with Dingham and Koskin... An LRB Let's is, put it is on the there. most rewatchable scene. Let's put it on. There. I didn't know if there's like a full other. No, that's category. all I had. I figured you'd have two I think, more. Uh, I think that that is the most rewatchable scene. I orient my rewatch around how far back I have to rewind or fast forward to get to that. So Dignam's going to be the big winner of this podcast. Yes, with Chris on Chris Ryan's mic, lace curtains. Okay, I will say this about the scene when Leo gets killed. In the moment, in the theater, not knowing that was going to happen is one of the only times I can ever remember the theater gasping like it, like yeah. you would during a sporting event. Yeah, it's the red wedding of this movie. It's, it's crazy. Now we know it. Now you know it's coming yeah, when you watch yeah. it in the 40th time. But that first time, it's, it's also like, how Ooh. he goes out. Yeah. It's Anthony Anderson. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, it's just, it's a random character who's only been in a couple of scenes, has only like kind of like a tertiary relationship to the plot, right? Right. Well, and, Anthony Anderson doesn't shoot him. He's just... In the in the mix, right? The, but like in the mix, there when they like yeah, show up yeah, at the yeah. end, it's, yeah. it feels like it's the wheels are coming like, off. What's gone. happening here? Yeah. So you think most rewatchable? You you basically the sweet spot of this movie for you is Leo Baldwin and Wahlberg when they're all together. This is that's when you're ready to roll. This is not a good movie in the sense that you would not teach this screenplay, even though I love the screenplay, William Monahan. You would not teach this screenplay in like a film school. The course. structure of it. It's in a lot of ways is a lot of things that Scorsese had been doing camera wise over the course of his career. It's kind of like a greatest hits album. Yeah. It's like, it feels cool, but you're like, 
there's not one single shot in the departed that you would put up against like the Copacabana tracking shot or any of the slow-mo freeze frame stuff and Goodfellas or raging bull or any of that stuff. It's mostly like, it's kind of like a greatest hits anthology. It's like the YouTube beautiful day album, whatever that album was called. It was nothing new from YouTube, but it was like, Oh, I like these guys. This is fun. It was the A sides and B sides with like one song that we were like, Oh yeah, I never, I forgot about that. This is a perfect rewatchable because it is a great bad movie and yeah. it's not bad in the way that like snakes on a plane is bad but it's bad in the sense that it doesn't make any sense and there's plenty of places that you could just raise your hand and be like what's what yeah we're gonna ha- get to why some are of you those doing this there's some nitpicking to be had but the dialogue the performances the music the the sense of just like complete abandonment of like everybody's going for it all the time and hamming it up and yeah just on coke and screaming at each other <laughs> it's just such a it's a blast to watch i leo is the only one to me i don't feel like he's going for it i think leo took this as the most seriously out of anyone in this movie i think he's like i'm in a movie with jack nicholson and my rival matt damon and martin scorsese directed me for the third time and I'm having a good career, but I haven't really proven my chops yet. Mm -hmm. And this is the movie I got to do it. And it's a pretty nuanced performance by him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's also like, I always think about this when he's sitting on the, uh, the balcony with Kevin Costigan and they're talking about like, they're going to get an eight ball to start selling. And he's got his backwards baseball hat, his black Red Sox hat on. And I was like, that is literally Leonardo DiCaprio in every Getty photo of him walking to lunch. Like in a lot but of ways, it feels like a Boston kid. I like to imagine that this is barely acting from DiCaprio. Yeah. You know, it's like, it feels very close to who he is. It's, and he I is, think that has a lot to do with why it doesn't feel like he's, he's overreaching at he times. He has good scenes with Vera Farmiga in this, who's a character that probably shouldn't work and isn't as bad as it probably could have been. But the, uh, some of the therapy scenes with them, which should have been just terrible. And yeah. they're actually like pretty compelling. And then also the comfortable, like the, the, you know, I, I think I have an overarching theory about this movie. Do you want to hear it now? No, save it. Okay. I, w- I think the most rewatchable part of this movie is meeting Martin Sheen on the roof. Did you get tailed? Right. Oh God. I, I will watch that every single time and the body falling and the, where were you? Oh, I was just showed up. Yeah, and, then, yeah. and then Boggs from Shawshank realizing that he was, <laughs> was the turn. Best casting, what ifs? This is, I, I had to create a category for this because there's so many. I don't even know if you know all this. Brad Pitt was supposed to be Damon's part, dropped out, ended up producing the movie. Ray Liotta was supposed to be Dignum. Wow. Couldn't do it. Dennis Leary, second choice, also couldn't do it. Fell into Mark Wahlberg, had to film all the scenes at the beginning of the filming because they only had him for like four days. It feels so like cram that. in. Yeah. yeah. That's wild. Can you imagine? I mean, Liotta would have been phenomenal but a little too old compared to baldwin i guess i think scorsese's just like you're my guy yeah i got a part for you yeah you just have to come in hot for four scenes nicholson's second choice for frank costello who's choice number one was it pacino who was it it was al pacino yeah, yeah. totally different movie but we're gonna talk about that in one second when i get through the rest of these de niro turned down martin sheen's part because he wanted to be in the good shepherd <laughs> mel gibson couldn't do Alec Baldwin's part. He was the first choice for that. He was filming Apocalypto. The RZA was offered Anthony Anderson's really? role. Couldn't do it. Why couldn't he do it? I, I don't know. 
We're so we have this ghost, universe. The ghost yeah. dog expanded soundtrack. <laughs> this universe, you have Leo, Damon, Nicholson, Sheen, Baldwin, Wahlberg, Anderson. Alternate departed universe. Yeah. Leo, Pitt, Al Pacino, De Niro, Mel Gibson, Ray Liotta, and the RZA. I love it. I think I like that I movie love, more. This is one of those movies that I'm like, why don't we just reshoot the departed with that cast? <laughs> Let's make another cast. Yeah. I'm with it. Every 10 years, they should just make it. It's like a Broadway play. I think Costello is better with Pacino. I don't think Nicholson's a better actor than Do you, him. I mean, I think Pacino's better in Al that part. Al Pacino, Irish mob boss. You're going for that? I think I would have enjoyed it. Okay. I think he would have been over the top. I think the scene when he smashes his cast, which is a potential rewatchable, <laughs> yeah. but him in that scene, Pacino really would have owned it. What do you got? Are you a cop? <laughs> he would have gone total heat. What? Tell me what you got. I don't think I would have enjoyed. What about Pacino with the uh, prosthetic in the movie theater, though? Well, that was a denier, That was a Nicholson. Uh, I know improv. you only get those when you work with Jack. Apparently, I, who knows if this is true, but he had some crazy hooker scene with dildos that he wanted to shoot, and they talked him out of it. But he kept the dildo <laughs> that he brought in. And then just ad lib that in the point there. That, should, that speaks a lot to like the stability of the story of this script. If they've just got people being like, like I need to do a scene with prostitutes and a dildo. And it's like, why? It's like, trust me, I'm Jack. <laughs> I don't, is Brad Pitt this really super smart guy or is is he just this stone jackass? Because sometimes I hear stories like this where he's producing the party, wants it to get done, but realizes he's too old to play the Matt Damon part. And passes up this great part because it's better for the movie. That's like this magnanimous, awesome, super smart intellectual gesture. And then half the time he seems like Floyd and True Roadman. So I don't know. <laughs> Brad Pitt's a confusing guy. Matt Damon later paying it forward in that same way, giving Casey Affleck Manchester. Yeah, there you go. What's age the best? Leo versus Matt Damon. That's one. The title sequence coming in 18 minutes in with love Dropkick Murphy. I love that. With Leo doing jail workouts. Baldwin and Wahlberg running a department together. Really could have been any department. I would have enjoyed it. He's like, oh, these guys are going to have accents. Also, the fact that the, their their department is like, where the cops watch the cops, watch the cops. You're like, what the what, fuck are you what looking fucking at? fucking department is this? It's like triple internal affairs. Yeah, it was, it's internal, internal affairs. Uh, the cranberry juice scene. Cranberry juice. It's a natural diuretic. My girlfriend drinks it when she's got a period. What do you get, your period? Which is arguably should have been in the most rewatchable, too, but that whole pig. What's age the best? Cranberry juice. Well, one last one. Okay. The Nicholson death scene. Cranberry juice. Cranberry juice is a perfect movie scene. Everything <laughs> from the music to the way it's shot to Winstone's delivery of the joke is so amazing. So I have I have the exact dialogue. It was going to be in the greatest exchange section, but uh, Leo goes to the bar. He orders a cranberry juice. Some guy at the bar next to him says, "Cranberry juice? What's that?" Leo says, "It's a, who says it's no, a the natural other guy diuretic? Goes, cranberry juice? That's a natural oh, yeah. diuretic. Cranberry juice? That's a natural My lady diuretic." Gets, when she's on her period, what do you have your period? And Leo yeah, takes yeah. a break. That's what it is. Inhales on his cigarette and then smashes a highball glass <laughs> on the guy's head. And then Ray Winston comes in and they have this great fight where Leo's like kind of mad at the guy he just hit, but is also like, do I have to get in a fight with Ray Winston? Yes. And is like, don't get your hands off me. Right. <laughs> so Ray, so Ray Winston comes in and says, I'm the guy that tells you there are guys you can hit and there's guys you can't. Now that's not quite a guy you can't hit, but it's almost a guy you can't hit. <laughs> so I'm going to make a fucking ruling on this right now. You don't fucking hit him. Okay. 
Great scene. It's Ray awesome. Winstone, who's also, by the way, English. Yeah. But somehow pulled off the Boston thing. I love the cranberry juice scene too. I also think Scorsese, that's when he set the record for most times somebody hit somebody else over the head with a with a highball glass or a beer thing, right? How many times has that been in a Scorsese movie? So many times. Somebody's also, just getting nobody nailed ever glass. gets out of a bar alive in a Scorsese movie. No, Every time bars somebody goes to the bar, it's get your shine box. Bars are bad. What's aged the worst? Sure. We should mention in the what's aged the best, the title se- sequence coming in 18 minutes in, that has to be a record. There can't have been a movie that had the, had just the title of the movie come in later than 18 I, minutes. And that's one of the things when you're watching this movie is you're like, there's no structure. Is there a mistake here? Did yeah. they forget to put the credits in? Yeah. And they've got like, you know, no this credits. is coming after a five, five minute Jack Nicholson monologue about race in Boston yeah. that barely comes back up again. You right. know what I mean? Like they have the, the theme and then it just moves on to these other two guys. And then Leo's doing pull-ups in jail and it's like the departed. Like what the hell? They're halfway through the movie. The, the Nicholson monologue in the beginning feels like we have Jack Nicholson in this movie. We got to write some more scenes for him. It also feels like Jack Nicholson's like, you have me for a day of voiceover. What do you want? Yeah. Just, more hands, like, yeah, I got the Wikipedia page for Boston open. Let's, let's dig in. It's a great win that Dropkick Murphys come in. Though. Yes. And that, you know, Papelbon, that was the year he became the closer. That became, you know, and then 2007 World Series. So there's some real Boston ties to it. Which uh, soundtrack do you prefer, this or Goodfellas? Oh, Goodfellas. Okay. What's age the worst? Nicholson's entire performance. <laughs> uh, Frank Costello is the Joe Galloway of Departed. Mark Wahlberg's hair. Yeah. I think this is before he did the Tom Brady, made the hair super long, but then put the plugs underneath and that then, but it's like a very, like the last relic of Mark Wahlberg hair before his hair really fell off the, uh, the mountaintop. Leo immediately panicking at the end after his identity is about to be erased by Matt Damon. Hey, Trupa comes in. I'm going to erase your identity. We'll get you paid. <laughs> and then Leo's in his office, sees the citizen bank envelope yeah. that he knows was given from Costello to whoever the mole was. And it turns out to be Damon. Leo, what's established, super smart guy, doesn't panic under pressure. 1,400 SATs, too smart to be a cop, completely panics. Runs out of there. It's like he couldn't have been more. It leaves the envelope in a different place yeah. than where it was. Damon comes right in, sees it. Like for the 1400 SATs, not great. Not great, Leo. No. That is not age well. Leo's plan to trap Matt Damon's character on the roof. See, once he whenever has the you goods. get into plot, it's just going to, these are all going to not age well because none of them make sense. It's a tough one. Yeah. I have all the goods. I have tapes from the lawyers. Yep. Here's what I'm going to do. We'll meet on this random roof where Martin Sheen's <laughs> already falling to death. Where's a safe place to meet? Yeah. The roof. <laughs> roof with, with an elevator and no outs. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm going to handcuff you and bring you down. Like, can't you just handcuff them on the street? Yeah. But I have to go to a roof. And then finally, um, this is my, this is the winner in my, in my mind. Damon sending a whole complicated text in his pocket. Yeah. This is mine. I mean, you could make the Chinese microchips thing, the whole the whole subplot just is... What are they? What, what, what are we talking about what, here? What are the microchip but industry? The, the, the T9 texting in your pocket... Unbelievable. Is, is, it's like the triple crown. It's, it's, the, it's the triple crown of texting. If 
Esports has really taken off. Yeah. I would watch a gold medal event of people texting yeah, in their pocket with old flip the phones. The first three stanzas of leaves of grass from your pocket. <laughs> you know? Nowadays in the iPhone, you couldn't do that. There's just no way your fingers would know what no, was going on. No, and also your iPhone would lock every five seconds right. and you'd have to like unlock it. Flip phone, I get it. You you could practice for days on end. Press the button. You know the screen comes up. You scroll down twice. You yeah. click it. Three, 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 six, six, two. I used to be able to type on my Blackberry in the car, like at a stoplight and stuff. I would not look down. Yeah, but that's, he ain't literally. In the pocket with one hand? Yeah. Come on, Matt Damon. Yeah. That's not happening. That age's the worst. Oh, and then, uh, this doesn't win, but it's a nominee. Scorsese using Give Me Shelter a third time. (laughs) (laughs) He used it. He used it in Goodfellas. Great. Home run. Yeah, Casino. Home run. Used in a casino, it's like ah, okay, okay. maybe the ties. Yeah, then he brings it back. It's like cheap trick playing surrender three times Come at a concert. On. Yeah, we know it's a great Rolling Stones song. Like Scorsese's fascination with the Stones is arguably his Achilles the crazy heel thing as a too director. Is that he There's uses more music. Robbie Robertson from the band for these soundtracks, where yeah. like Robbie will do a little bit of music, but for the most part, he's the music supervisor. And you think if you're going to pay big bucks for a guy with the reputation of Robbie Robertson, you could do better than every, every classic radio, rock yeah. radio station in America is like, now give me shelter. Right. And it's like Robbie Robertson's like, you know what would work here. Now that being said, there is some amazing stones in this movie. And there's some good, uh, the uh, Comfortably Numb remake version yes. on the therapist. I also finally did, the Let It Loose Leo scene is, is great. Like the scene with Let It Loose is, is awesome. Comfortably Numb is great. It'd be funny if Scorsese made another movie and used Give Me Shelter again. Yeah. He really loved the Stones. That's why if you learned anything about Scorsese, he loved Bob De Niro, called him Bob, the Stones, and people getting hit over the head in yes. a bar with a glass. So there's three things. All right. Best performance by that guy. New category for this pod. Good. Ray Winstone, you mentioned him. He played Mr. French. You could argue if they're going all in with the Yankees level payroll for the cast, maybe you go a little bit bigger with Mr. French. Maybe get somebody who won like He was uh, pretty big at it. He had done Sexy Beast. I think he had been he had like a lot of momentum. Not, you wouldn't have gone bigger? Well, how big can you get? I don't know. Mark Wahlberg's in the four scenes. <laughs> He's a huge star. So here's what I learned while I was Googling Ray Winstone. Turned down the role of Jimmy McDulty in 2002. Did he? Yeah. Turned it down. Interesting. Could have been the lead of the wire. Didn't want it. James Dale. You know that? Yeah, James Badgedale. Yeah. Trooper Kerrigan. The guy who shoots Leo at the end. Yes, right. I've never really remember seeing this guy again. He was in a show called Rubicon. Okay, didn't watch um, it. And then he has been, he was in 13 Hours, the Michael Bay Benghazi movie. I did see that. Yeah. So he he shows up from time okay. to time. I think he's in Black Hawk Down. I'm not sure. Every it, every single actor was in Black Hawk Down. So you can just yeah, that's say. Yeah, that's just be. Anthony Anderson was a that guy in 2006. Yeah. Like, hey, that guy. Now he's Anthony Anderson. But at the time, he's a that guy. The guy who plays Fitzy is such a that guy that you wouldn't even know his name. His real name is David O'Hara. Fitzy's the guy. He's he gets Fitzy Fitzgibbons. He, he gets arrested. <laughs> Damon goes in, turns the camera off. Yeah. Nobody, nobody thinks anything of this, by the way. Matt Damon's turning the camera off, goes in and tells the guy, tell, call your dad, tell him you're going to be late for dinner. That's the guy who puts Fitzy. And then last but not least, the winner of this award, in my opinion, Mark Ralston. Oh, I disagree. 
You bet, better known as Boggs from Shawshank. How is there a better that guy than Boggs from Shawshank? It's Kevin Corrigan. It's Costigan's cousin. Oh, you're going him for the next Yeah, guy? absolutely. Right, well, can we make co-winners? Kevin Corrigan, I think he's in Dazed. I think he's in Dazed and Confused. I'm pretty sure. Oh, you're right. And he's been in you know tons of stuff since then. He was in Community. He's like on a bunch of stuff. I'm, uh, he was in a movie called Results a couple years ago. But he is the perfect cousin. I mean, can you imagine a, a better cousin. Costigan cousin? Pretty good cousin. But I just want to point out that Boggs from Shawshank has a key role in this movie. Boggs, the leader of the sisters, raped Andy multiple, multiple times. Yes. Um, <laughs> multiple times. Yes. Led to Red's best run in the movie when he goes, I do believe those were the worst two years for Andy. Yeah, I think they were. <laughs> I think when he was getting gang raped for two years, that was probably the nadir for Andy. Boggs gets out, gets beaten up by Viking. Yeah. From Bad Boys. Yeah. Uh, and then became Boggs from that point on. And and for the rest of his life, people go up to him, hey, you're the guy from Shawshank, the leader of the sisters. Now, at least he had this other movie to go to. I just think anytime you can describe someone as an idiot fucking cop magnet of a cousin, they're going to win that too. guy. All right. We'll agree to disagree. <laughs> Half-assed internet research corner. <laughs> Ray Winstone said him and Jack Nicholson did not get along during the filming. I bet there was a lot of testosterone on this set. I think Jack, the fact that Jack wasn't crushing these scenes either, which we'll, we'll, we're saving for near the end. Nicholson refused to wear a Red Sox hat during the filming and banned all Celtic hats on the set. Come on, Jack Nicholson. That's hilarious. Come go, on. Go fuck yourself, Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Leo, Leo dropped out of The Good Shepherd to, to do The Departed. Was The Good Shepherd a good movie? Yeah, like, Damon's I, in I, it. This is so weird. All these guys are just like trading roles at this time. Is The Good Shepherd ever on? Uh, I think yeah, I saw it's it on once and I have no There was no a bunch opinion. of CIA movies around that time. Okay. So, Leo's Boston accent coach was named Jay Giannone. He had a Boston accent coach. Yeah. How Can I have that job? <laughs> I, I want, the ringer can do that in our spare time. I, I want to be Jay Giannone's competitor. And then finally, the winner, which I already mentioned, I, I spilled it, but the F word and its derivatives used 238 times. Yeah, this was a pretty profane script. Yeah, I don't know how it's on TT. Speaking of accents, we have to tackle seven accents in this movie okay. that I'm going to put in the camp of yes, maybe, and no fucking way. <laughs> yes, Damon, the best ever at it. Oh, yeah. Goodwill Hunting, Departed, his like, just the best. It. His whole just, life. But Wahlberg said to said to everybody, I'm actually the best. I have the best Boston accent. If you just the accent off Damon versus Wahlberg, which one did you like more? I just had this. I just said this in the office and I was met with derision mm. that I, I think that Damon is better. And I think Wahlberg overdoes it. I, that's the right answer, Chris Ryan. I'm glad a kid from the streets of Philadelphia could come to the right just, conclusion. Just one, man, one man's opinion. Yeah. I just think that Wahlberg is like, I can't believe I'm playing a Boston cop in a Martin Scorsese movie and overperforms. Yeah. You know, he's like, he's like his Dion Waiters game. Yeah. I agree. But that's one of the reasons like I love always, Dignum always in this clapping. movie. You're yeah. like, I'm open. I'm open. He's got his hand up. Yeah. Damon, had, he did this in Goodwill Hunting too. He figured out the Boston accent, the key to it. I've talked about this on other podcasts, but not this one. The key is the attitude. And the, and the hiss of it. And and that's why when these people do the, when they're like somebody like Nicholson, I don't even know what the fuck accent he's doing this. We'll get to him in a second. But Damon's like, what the fuck are you talking? You know, it's yeah. like, there's an anger to it. And both Damon and Wahlberg got it. Wahlberg took it to a whole other level. I think uh, 
I don't know, to my delight. There was also like, I think I remember reading that Wahlberg was a real swinging dick on this set. Yeah. It was like really like you guys don't know shit about Boston. Yeah, I, I got arrested twenty eight times. Yeah, it's like and and it's almost like weirdly like he's way too out in front of his his yeah. own wheels. There, there was one of the things I read said that he based his performance based on a compilation of all the different people who arrested him when he was a youth. <laughs> That's a lot of baggage to bring yeah. in for a four day shoot. All right, I'm gonna put these on the maybe list. I'll let you decide. Alec Baldwin, good Boston accent or bad Boston accent. Good. It's for the most part good. He goes to New York True a couple times. Character. It's good. Yeah. good. It's, it's good, good, good character work. The yeah. world needs plenty of bartenders. <laughs> Leo. Uh, I think it's good because his character, he brings it in and out, and that works for Costigan because Costigan is supposed to be a little bit of a chameleon, yeah. spent time on both the rough side of town and the nice side of town. So I think it works for his character, although I know that I'm in a minority in my opinion. It's it's okay. I put in the maybe thing. It's it's fine. It's better in the first hour of the movie for some reason. Kind of fades away as the movie goes along, but it's fine. It doesn't... He, it never totally goes away. Like some other people when they struggle with the accents, they kind of like by the... 60% mark of the movie. They've just said, fuck it, and have gone to their normal voice. All right, the No Way group. I don't know why Martin Sheen couldn't do this. I feel like he's done Boston accents in the back, and maybe he's just too old. It's just really wild. Maybe the drugs from Apocalypse now, like, <laughs> ravaged his brain. I don't know what happened he's to him. He's like, Saigon. <laughs> he just really botched it, and they almost would have better, been better off just using... Uh, local like Lenny Clark. There's this show on Netflix right now called Ozark, and there's an yeah. actor in Ozark who's very good. His name's Peter Mullen. He was on Top of the League. He's an awesome actor. But I I'm pretty sure that something happened with his accent on the show because every time he's talking, they cut to a reaction shot of someone else when they're dubbing it. It feels like it. It's yeah. just a theory. I almost think they should have done this for Martin Sheen. You yeah, get all rough. the hangdog Martin Sheen acting, but then as soon as he starts cu- talking, yeah, cut. Cut to another actor being like, oh, okay, Martin Sheen, and get, you know, J.G. Anoni in there to do his accent. There's a lot of people who could have played that role, too. It wasn't like it was that important of a role. I think he's very, very paternal, and he's loving, and he has, like, a certain warmth that most of the other characters in this movie lack. Yeah. Uh, Vera Farmiga. She kind of quit on it. Yeah. So I'm not going to, at least she admitted she was wrong, but in the beginning, she she really brings it in. Yeah. And then she just kind of... She, I think Scorsese must have been like, hey, I'm going to smash a glass on the side of your head unless you don't. <laughs> We're going to go to the bar over there and get an eight ball ready. And then Nicholson, I don't know. I, it, there's just no way to even know what accent he's so going So do you want to have this. a larger conversation about no, Jack I'm, Nicholson I still want to save it okay. a little bit later. Okay. I don't know what accent he was going for. Or, or he's playing, he's basically playing Whitey Bulger. Yes. He's playing this kid who grew up in the streets of Boston and became Boston's biggest crime lord. He refuses to wear a Red Sox hat. That's and not a crime. He refused to wear a Red Sox hat and doesn't have a Boston accent. This is supposed to be the most evil person who's ever come no, out of the streets of Boston. If he wore a Red Sox hat, wouldn't you be like, this is a little on the nose? No, I just at least try to pretend you're from Boston. You're playing a Boston crime lord. What are you doing? It would have been good if he had worn a, sweat, a sweatshirt with the sleeves cut off. <laughs> Want to do a quick break to uh, promote Talk the Thrones? Sure. Sunday nights. We have two more left. Yeah, Sunday nights after the East Coast area of Game of Thrones, after the scenes from next week. 
Yeah. Myself, Andy Greenwald, Mallory Rubin, Jason Concepcion. We go live on Twitter. Sometimes some special guests. T Pain showed up. He's hilarious. Another special guest before the season is out. Okay. Um, we have a blast. Talk for like about an hour about the show, about the history of the stuff that's going on, take, takes on what we thought happened. And it's just been really fun. Great. I think people really enjoy it. I'm enjoying it. I know my wife is because she doesn't understand anything that's going on. And then you also, you co-host a watch with Andy I Greenwald. I do, Mondays and Thursdays. And then the Ringer FC, our new soccer podcast. Tuesdays, yeah. yeah. There you go. All right. The Unintentional Comedy Award. Scorsese Stone's fetish we covered. Yes. It's still funny though. It's yeah. fun, just funny to hear Gimme Shelter. Could we N- should make a video, a YouTube video of Martin Scorsese movies that couldn't have the stones, but put Gimme Shelter <laughs> over like silence? <laughs> Gimme Shelter over Kundun. <laughs> Gangs in New York. Yeah, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis <laughs> in an American flag. And then all of a sudden it's like... He loves that song, man. Nicholson's dildo. <laughs> it's just so weird. It's so weird. It's such like a weird move. It's such a weird choice. Yeah, that's when it gets weird when you're watching The Departed on a plane. You're like, yeah, I'm sorry. Oh, like, I'm sorry about like... the dildo. Uh, the flip phones are just funny now. Yes, it's funny that we use hilarious. flip phones. Yeah. Everything about it's great. Damon's weird impotency, impotency issues. I think it's really good for the character. So supposedly he brainstormed it. Great. Threw it in there. <laughs> I'm glad so many people had input on this movie. Yeah. It shows. It seems like they're <laughs> writing it as it goes along. Yeah. Ah, Mike, what does he say when Baldwin <laughs> says about the, Mine's working overtime. Does that. That cracks me up. But the winner, uh, and I urge everybody to, to watch for this, the end, when they when Damon realizes that Nicholson has been working as an FBI informant and that eventually he's going to get sold out by Nicholson. So he backstabs Nicholson, does the raid. Nicholson leaves his car and starts running. And there's this three second scene of Jack Nicholson running. Mm-hmm. That's the funniest moment in the movie. <laughs> I don't know. You got to look for the sex time. His body's just going all different. He's running like. When a, is the last time you think Jack Nicholson had run? I don't think he had run for 25 to 26 years. Maybe I, since The I Shining. I would love to know. In I don't even movie, think he ran in The Shining. Jogs, he jogs. But the whole thing with The Shining is it's that serial killer thing where like the guy is walking and catching up with a woman who's doing a dead sprint. Yeah. And it's like Jason Voorhees. Right. I am He's trying to think snow. right now, when is the last time? I mean, did Jack Nicholson run on the beach in terms of endearment? I don't even know. My guess is that they had probably a three-hour discussion about this when they the day they were filming that scene. They were like, Jack's going to have to run. And Jack's like, I haven't run in 38 yeah. years. And they were worried that he was going to die of a heart attack. He hasn't run since he like, ran across the <laughs> forum to hug Diane Cannon in 1987. Right, <laughs> yeah, so... He has to run because it would be crazy for him not to run. The cops are there. He's running to get away. And he runs and he runs like a 9.340. His body's going in nine different directions. It's great. I highly recommend looking for that. All right. We're going to pick some nits. Okay. Let's start early. Why would Leo agree to this undercover deal? No idea. It's like, you're too smart to be a cop. We know you want to be a cop. You can't be a cop. You're too smart. Instead, we're going to erase your identity you're going to commit a crime and go to jail. You're going to come out. You're going to rough up some people, get in some fights, and establish yourself as a tough guy and get inside Costello's crew. And Leo's like, I'm in. That sounds great. Yeah. It's not clear why he's so out of options. I mean, you get the impression, you know, obviously, like, he's got this to- this really tumultuous family. Yeah. Uh, this background. But, man, like, really, like, a bad career choice on his part. Terrible. Just... As as a Boston guy, 
watching this movie for 10 years, it always struck me that no apartment that I had ever heard of had such a great view of the state house. Would that be like a $10,000 a month apartment? It would be that. So I left Boston in 99. That would be inconceivable to have an apartment that had that view of the state house. There's that. And then there's also, there's no real part of the city that has that view. So it actually online, they said they made it up. They made up the apartment. That annoys you, of course. Blown, Blown away with Jeff Bridges, which has its own just severe violations of Boston. I and love Blown Away. A downhill chase scene that's downhill for 15 blocks that ends up on but this part that's straight. But an incredible U2 sequence in that movie. Great U2 sequence. But uh, he he's on his honeymoon when uh, somebody blows up and he sees the he sees the explosion from far away. Yeah. There is no part of the Four Seasons that has a view of <laughs> any part of Boston like that. Good luck. Good luck finding that view. Would Leo and the doctor actually get together? I do. De- I definitely think so. Okay. We're yeah. okay with that? Yeah. I have, she's want, sexually do you frustrated? Want, do you want me to explain this to you? No, it's fine. Okay. I just want to make sure. No, I'm not explaining like romantic relationships, but I have a big thing about Go ahead, Leo let's hear and it. Matt. Okay. So one of the reasons why this movie is so interesting to me on repeated viewings is that if you take out all the gangster stuff and all the cop stuff, there is an element to which the DiCaprio and Damon characters are basically a metaphor for the two side, the two ways in which you can live in America. It's like, it's like about capitalism and you can either compartmentalize everything and rationalize everything and basically be blindly ambitious and go after the golden goose or whatever, or you can feel everything and make yourself vulnerable to everything. And either way, either, no matter which road you choose, America will destroy you. Like your, your, either your ambition or your lack of ambition, your, your honesty or your lies ultimately crushes you and she's attracted to both things she's attracted to his vulnerability there's that scene the comforting comfortably numb scene where she's like i can't tell if your vulnerability is an act and he's like i don't know either like it's like he's like i'm so out of it like i don't even know who i am but damon is so controlled and the impotency and all the you know all the other stuff but it's like basically you get this vision of the two sides of living in America and they're both attractive to her and they're both interesting to watch, but they are both ultimately crushed. And it's guys like Dingham who move forward in the world who survive. That's my theory. What'd you think of that Zach Mac? Wow. <laughs> Must feel like we have to throw to another commercial. That was really good. <laughs> Enjoyed that. Why didn't Vera Farmiga turn Damon's character in? I don't know. Why, I have wh- an issue with that. Okay. You go. Why is it? She should have just point blank. She knows that he's a liar. Yeah. She knows that he's a bad cop. Um, Not a client of hers. So it's not like she's violating some patient doctor. Do you think she's attracted to this idea that he has like sort of like life he's laying out or it's like this, then this, then the state Senate, you know, like this idea. I'm saying at the tail end, Leo's dead. She's at the funeral. She's crying. Won't look at Damon. And then Damon says, what about the baby? And she's walking away and won't talk to him. Why didn't, why not just turn him in? Come on. Come on, Vera Farmiga. Why didn't a more famous actor play Leo's killer? This is my biggest flaw of this movie. So watching this live for the first time, you know, there's a million faces and plots and it's a two and a half hour movie. It's hard to follow everything. And then Leo arrests Damon. They're going down the elevator. Elevator door opens. Boom, he gets shot by this cop that we've seen a couple times mm-hmm. who's been established as a character, but as a forgettable face it's behind the desk, he's not like in the mix. Yeah. In the moment I was like, I didn't know who that guy is. Where'd that guy come from? There's a lot of that. Now you see it 50 times like, Oh, that guy, he's the guy who's going to shoot Leo. 
That should have been like a Ryan Gosling. So if they should have used a more famous younger actor. So you put even if it's Josh Hartnett, it's a nothing role, right? But if you do that. Yeah. You're like, why is Josh Hartner in this movie? Well, I was like that with Mark Wahlberg the whole time. Yeah, but if you do it, you're always It's basically the Chekhov's gun. It's like you can't cast somebody that they doesn't then have a reason for being in the movie. But then I'm confused that when he it was like, who's this guy who shot Leo? And then it's like, oh, you watch the movie again. Oh, yeah. They planted the seed here, here, I here, and there. It, I just but I didn't still know think it. it's like I, I, I think it works. I think it works. But I and I think if you had a famous actor. What if it was the RZA who shot him? <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. Yeah. Yeah. All right, just so like, you're against it. All right. We disagree on that one too. We disagreed a lot on this one. More unrealistic. Nicholson not suspecting Leo or Sheen not suspecting Matt Damon. It's Sheen, right? Has to be it's Sheen. Sheen. Sheen runs the internal, internal affairs. Unit. Doesn't this guy who's constantly like, oh, we've changed our plans. Hold on. I've got to call my dad and tell him I'm late for dinner. <laughs> Look him out. You're fired. Trace that call. Yeah. Turns out he's turning off cameras when they're interviewing. Nobody's suspecting anything yeah. with Matt Damon. We got a rat in this thing. Oh, it can't be this guy. The guy who's on the phone all the time yeah. switching his thing card. Uh, and then finally, why didn't anyone talk Scorsese out of the rat on the balcony at the tail end? Do you think that's like, I better win my Oscar just in case anybody doesn't get it? Do you think they argued about the rat? Because if I if I was like his assistant director, I'd have been like, Martin, if you put that rat on there, I'm quitting. Take my name off the credits. I don't want to be involved in this thing. It's, I have never it's read a really good explanation for why they did it. You know, there's sometimes though when people really feel the need to hammer home the point, you know, and they're just like, I just in case nobody gets it. Or and, uh, and you know what? I think that this is a little bit slight. This film is a little bit different than Goodfellas and Casino. Like Scorsese's directorial style is a little bit removed from this movie, and I think that the rat is almost like. And now the movie is over. You know, it's like a, it's like almost like a bow on it. Like the the end at yeah, the end of Fugue yeah, Man. Yeah, yeah, And there's a couple of references in this movie to classic gangster films, like the original Scarface and stuff like that. That are, it, it feels like almost like a pastiche. Greatest exchange. I only narrowed it down to three. Okay. Cranberry juice. It's a natural diuretic. My girlfriend drinks it when she got her period. What? Do you got your period? That's one. How's your mother? She's on her way out. We all are. Let's act accordingly. Jack Nicholson. Good. This is my favorite. Who the fuck are you? I'm the guy who does this job. You must be the other guy. That's great. Let's start saying this in the office. Let's. let's without telling anybody why. Mark Wahlberg's one of his greatest moments. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself, Mark Wahlberg. You called this number on a dead guy's phone. Who are you? I don't want to be a product of my environment. I want my environment to be a product of me. That's basically the dialogue version of the rat. Yes. Yeah. That's the setup for the opening yeah. monologue with Nicholson. Yeah. I think Moynihan wrote that on a cocktail napkin three the night before <laughs> where they were like, we need Jack says one day to do VO. As for our problem in Providence, let's not cry over spilled guineas. I just really enjoyed that one. It's kind of racist. It's it's good. He yeah. uses a phrase. It's all solid. <laughs> the Baldwin's whole mar- marriage monologue that ends about ladies see the ring, they know immediately you must have some cash or your cock must work. <laughs> great great adv- advocacy for marriage there. And then finally... Uh, I think the top two, you're a black guy in Boston. You need help for me to be completely fucked. <laughs> just a great line. Good. Anthony Anderson takes it well. It's just good. It's funny. And then uh, the world needs plenty of bartenders. <laughs> two weeks with pay. That's my favorite line. What's yours? I'll throw in uh, Costigan okay. uh, when he gets denied his prescription from Vera Farmiga. 
And he says, two pills? Great. Why don't you just give me a bottle of scotch and a handgun to blow my fucking head off? It's a really good wrap-up of good. psychiatry. It's uh, <laughs> Who won the movie? Our choices are Leo, Damon, Nicholson, or Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, so... Uh, Mark Wahlberg's The Ann Waiters performance. First few years, I think you're just blown away by Wahlberg. First few viewings, you're just like, every time Wahlberg comes on, it feels like the volume of the television goes up. But after a while, I just think it's Leo's movie. And it's all credit to Matt Damon for really, like, this is like... Matt Damon's best performances are always the one where he plays the creeps. Like, yeah. Ripley, this... Uh, Courage Under Fire a little bit. Not quite a creep, but like sneaky. I think I count the weird Ocean's Eleven guy, too. Even though he was a he's benevolent he's guy, not, he's, he's just yeah. weird. Matt just, Damon plays good weird. Yeah, but like this whole new phase of him being like in The Martian and just being like America's sweetheart. I really prefer this version of him. Yeah. And he does a great job, but DiCaprio is just on volume 11 on this. Hey, Brad Pitt is in this movie. I think it's worse. Yes, I agree. I don't of all think the he all castings, this. yeah. I'm with you on Leo. I think he won the movie. And now let's have the Nicholson conversation because okay. I think he loses the movie. So when you first saw the movie, you're excited. Jack Nicholson's in a movie. I thought it was like going to be Jessup all over yeah. again. And then you're in there. At what point in the movie you're like, this is going wrong? When I saw the first 10 minutes when it's Nicholson from 25 years earlier with the badly dyed hair. And it's obviously 70 year old Jack Nicholson pretending he's yeah. 40. I got, there was concern. <laughs> I heard the accent. I was really super concerned. Knowing eating fucking rat. And it brings up questions. You know, see, Bill, like, you're the new guy. Girlfriend. Why don't you stay in the bar? That night I got your numbers. Social security numbers. Everybody's fucking numbers. It felt like he was overacting in like a Joker in Batman yeah. kind of way. Only this was not a comic book movie. This actually was a part that it's amazing. It won the best best movie anyway because his part should have been the part. This was like the yeah. Hannibal Lecter, the, even the Jessup and Fugit Man. Like this is the home run part. He didn't even get nominated for an Oscar. It's like impossible. You you're doing this script, and it's like this role you get has supporting to get actor. nominated yeah. for best supporting actor, and in the right hands wins. He doesn't get nominated like that. That's one of the most embarrassing moments of his career, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think that it was just a product of the fact that I mean, Monahan's script is really cool, but I just think that there was a lot of improv going on and a lot of like adding stuff, and he just seems like he was like. Whereas on a few good men, interesting that we've done two Jack Nicholson movies to start. Yeah, on a few good men. He starts out and he's just like, he nails every line of Sorkin dialogue. It's a like watertight script. This is so all over the place. This, that, but that's what I'm measuring this against. Few Good Men, and we talked about who won the scene in the last rewatchables yeah. between Cruz and Nicholson. Few Good Men, I argued for Nicholson because I was like, every nuance, every decision he made was so carefully thought out. I feel the opposite about him in The Departed. It yeah. just feels like... The, to me, this is, it's funny that they played the Rolling Stones again in this movie because to me, this was like the Rolling Stones going to see them in concert in 2006. Yeah. And it's the, that's it the, the wrong reason why it's career. rewatchable is that the Rolling Stones' greatest hits is still a good album, right? And oh, it's sure. like the Martin Scorsese's gangster movie, Greatest Hits, is still an incredible movie. And some of the loose ends of this movie and some of the raggedness of it is what makes it so interesting to watch over and over again. You're like, oh, I forgot about this whole subplot of this or like what is 
right what is this about and that that, that but that contributes a lot to the erratic nature of nicholson's performance I like think. even think about sean penn right now playing this role i don't think now, he's the fun mystic enough. river boston you think he's fun enough i don't think this character should have been fun i think that's part of the problem with the movie I think, I think that, they try to make this character, this gregarious, like Whitey Bulger. There's nothing fun about Whitey Bulger. No, but don't you think that the difference between a movie that you watch 50 times and a movie that you watch three times is whether or not you find it like too dark and, you know, not entertaining enough, not like. But the fun is Baldwin and Wahlberg and the accents. I think if and, those guys are in the movie and then Sean Penn is doing Sean Penn intense method acting, it just. Yeah, it you're right. That would have been weird. But. Like Sean Penn doing that opening monologue would have been insane. You would have been like, this movie is unhinged. <laughs> and he was like, no, I have to really. Like, it's just like, come what on. What about if Pacino was there? I think you would have had the same situation you had in Nicholas. De Niro? Just like off the mat. Um, we'll see. He's making a Whitey Bulger movie now. That's the thing. Is with Scorsese. Well, he's too old now. They're going to de-age them digitally. What? It's De Niro, Pacino, and Joe Pesci. It's the Irishman. It's the it's the Whitey Bulger movie, and they're de-aging them digitally. Netflix is paying for this. That sounds like a dumb waste. Scorsese is directing it. Yeah. So you're pro you're pro Nicholson in this movie in the in the context of the entire movie. I I completely acknowledge. So you're using the Hannibal Lecter defense, yeah. like a grim movie, but Anthony Hopkins makes that role yes. fun enough that when he bites somebody's I've face off, Silence of the Lambs. At this point, probably equal amount, but I watch Silence of the Lambs more than Manhunter. Partially because Anthony Hopkins is like almost delightful to watch, whereas Brian Cox is just terrifying in Manhunter. And you know, you know what I mean. Like Buffalo Bill is another one. Buffalo Bill, Fun yeah, he's got great music playing. Are you a big fat person? <laughs> I can't wait till we do that one. I have a lot of thoughts on Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> the Big Showdown, Leo versus Damon. Yeah, you think Leo won the movie? I think I agree with you. Okay. The last question I'm going to ask: They switch parts. What movie is this? They switch parts. Leo is Colin. I don't know if... I think that Damon could have done Billy. I don't know if Leo could play it straight and do Colin. I don't think Leo could have done Colin either. Has Leo ever played other than Wolf of Wall you Street? You make the argument oh, Django, I guess. that Catch Me If You Can has like an element of the con artist, like I'm everybody's perfect son thing. But Colin is such an obvious dick and is so clearly like a striver. And Leo just kind of seems like unless he has like an accent or he's like I'm playing Hoover or whatever, like he needs like a project. He can't just be these subtle characters. He has to be over the top. Damon does subtle really well, but I think he could do Billy. I just don't think Leo could do Costigan. I don't think Leo could do Costigan. I agree. I think Damon would have been an incredible Costigan. I actually think there's there's a chance he could have been better than Leo was in that role. Because he, the Boston would have the felt Boston a little stuff. more authentic. Yeah, I thought Leo was great in that movie, but I think Damon would have played that part a little bit better. I'm with you. I don't think Leo could have played the uh, Matt Damon thing. We didn't really talk about Wahlberg shooting Damon at the very end. Yeah, what do you think of that? So a couple of things I love about it. One is the, the outfit. His the outfit's great. Outfit is <laughs> out of control. The slippers. Yeah. Uh, everything. The, the DNA proof outfit. Yeah. I like that he didn't wait for Damon to close the door for some reason. Yeah. If I'm going to do that, I, I have my silencer. Maybe let him close the door before he splatter his <laughs> braids all over the hallway. There were rumors about a Departed 2 five years ago in 2012 that was going to be a prequel. I think you could argue Departed 2 could have been afterwards with like Wahlberg and you just bring people and in. Wahlberg tried 
pitching that out there for a while. He's like, there are more stories to tell in this world. Me and Marty are going to do it. And it sounds like it was like a nice dinner that he had Scorsese. And Scorsese was like, sure, sure. Departed too. One of the reasons I love Wahlberg shooting Damon is I feel like that was cathartic for some ways in Wahlberg yeah, in real like life. Yeah, like he was just Damon like, I'm and, the real Boston guy. <laughs> Damon had taken his Boston corner and Wahlberg's like, fuck you. And just grabbed it and shot him. And really like, because Damon punches him earlier in the movie. Yeah. Which the rule of A-listers is that if somebody gets punched, you get to punch. There's, it always ends even. It, it balances out. But Damon punched him. Wahlberg doesn't get him back. Yeah. So the, that was kind of there. He's lower on the poster, less scenes, but then he gets to shoot him in yeah. the end. So that's how he just. It's just it. amazing how much. I mean, if you talk and think about that, though, like the way he just dresses down Leo the, for like five straight minutes, he gives him the Alec Baldwin, Glenn Gary speech. I, don't, I think you like this movie less than I do. No, I love this movie. Nah, you're down on it a little. No, I'm not. You're down I'm just, on the script. I'm explaining the variance nah, you're within down on the, the script. Do you think it's a little choppy? No, I think the script is amazing. Like, ask anybody how much I love this movie. I'm saying Zach, what do you think? part of the reason why it's rewatchable is because it has flaws. Perfect movies aren't always rewatchable. That's an interesting point. I like watching movies that I get upset about or... Like Castaway, which woman, well, even though it, it's an honorable mention, it's not you a Hall get, of Famer. They, they keep you asking questions. Why did they do that like this? Yeah. What is this? What would it have been like if they had fixed this? Castaway, I've watched that scene when when he goes back to Helen Hunt and the husband doesn't wake up. I could do an hour on that. Just that whole yeah. scene. But this is Why a, does she have the maps on the table? Like I could go on that forever. The flaws do make it more rewatchable. Absolutely. You're right. There are movies that are note perfect, like- no Country is a perfect example of a movie that is just like actually is just shot for shot, moment for moment, at performance, performance. It's a great one. Perfect. And I have watched it 80% less than The Departed because The Departed, it actually feels like a roller coaster ride when you're on it. And you are, and, and rewatchable movies need parts where you're not actually watching, where you can be like, okay, I'm going to check out for a couple of minutes while they're talking, you know, and look at my phone. No Country for Real Men, you watch it. You're just watching it. It's not like a fun movie to watch. No Country from. The moment he checks into the hotel and puts the suitcase into the air vent yeah. all the way through when he gets killed, but we don't see it, that's about as rewatchable as it gets. Yes. If that scene, it's like, oh, oh <laughs> the Josh Brolin's the- checking into the hotel. Yeah. I'm, I'm <laughs> Cancel my next half hour. That's a great one. And it's probably, you know, it's the peak of that movie too. Because yeah. the first 40 minutes isn't. That it's a slow build, and then it's like they actually do a lot of different stuff with yeah. like how they do the cathartic ending. But but yeah, to me, it's like just because a movie is rewatchable doesn't mean it's flawless. I love The Departed, but like it's definitely got problems, and it's fun to kind of talk about those problems because it's part of what makes it so good. It's amazing that I won Best Picture and Best Director, and neither of us feel both of us feel like the potential of this movie was probably a little bit higher. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was mostly because of Nicholson and maybe Scorsese about 12 years too late. But don't you think this has some As similarities with Heat in terms of its like length and its like clashes of huge... I felt The difference for me is, I mean, both of us love Heat, yeah, so we're a little biased, but yeah. I felt like Heat was crafted. Mm-hmm. Every decision he makes is really well thought out and it's almost like he's invading a country with yeah. how he made that movie. Yeah, And even the stuff like... We talked about when we did our heat podcast about the whole Natalie Portman subplot and the whole Wayne Grove kills up a hooker subplot. Matting. Yeah, yeah, it's there's all choices that he made. Departed, it does feel like they're flying by the seat of their pants half the time. Yeah, but but as somebody who loves movies, I kind of like movies that feel that way sometimes. And did you, you see the original one? 
Yes. It was called Infernal, Infernal Affairs. Affairs the yeah. Is that good? I, yeah, I still great. never saw it's that. It's really entertaining. Yeah. yeah. It's tighter than this, for All sure. Right. Chris Ryan, The Rewatchables. We have a whole bunch of ones coming up that are going to be hosted by a whole bunch of different people. We made a list. We narrowed it down to the 50 most rewatchable movies of all time, but also a bunch of honorable mentions, too. The 50 will be called Hall of Famers on this feed, and this was a Hall of Famer. I, I mean, to me, this is everything that that you'd want from a Absolutely. from a It's from funny, a it's thrilling, it's emotional, it's great. And it's got big-ass stars. Yeah. Good times. All right, Chris Ryan, always fun. Bill Simmons. Uh, you can check out the rewatchables. You can subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, Art Nineteen. Where else are we, Zach Mack? Those are the those are the biggies. There's some other good ones too. But subscribe to this. Pass the word along to your friends. Hit us on Twitter if there's a movie you feel like very passionate that we should do on uh, on the at Ringer Twitter feed or our Facebook page, whatever. Um, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Until then, the next one is Bill Simmons with Chris Ryan for the Rewatchables. Really